Good morning and welcome to Sunday School at Second Baptist. I'm glad you could be with me today. <coughs> I have a frog in my throat this morning. Um, we're continuing the study that we started last week on the book of Colossians or the letter to the Colossian church that Paul wrote. And so um, we, we studied the first 21 verses of chapter 1 last week and it ended by Paul saying, um, you know, he was describing attributes of Jesus and how he related to God, how that all worked together. And then um, he mentions at in verse 23 about the gospel of which Paul, I, Paul, uh, was made a minister. So we're going to pick up from exactly there. There's no uh, really background to this verse because it, it goes straight from what we studied last week. And so let's begin then in verse 24 of chapter 1 of the letter to the Colossians. So uh, verse 24 says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now, the your your lesson, the author of your lesson there, uh, is not totally sure what Paul meant by this, but we can guess uh, what Paul may have meant when he said this in this way, because the the thing is that there was nothing lacking in Christ's afflictions in the sense that the, the physical price that Christ paid for our redemption, that was it. There was nothing else lacking uh, in that. And so we have to assume that's not what Paul meant when he said this. Um, so then the, um, the idea of it is perhaps he was just in a roundabout saying, you know, I am physically suffering for the cause of Christ or for the body of believers, which is the church, you know, something like that on behalf of his body, uh, Jesus' body, which is the church. So, you know, we, we have to assume and give Paul the benefit of the doubt that, that that's what he meant. Maybe he just didn't want to come right out and say, I'm suffering for the cause of Christ. You know, because that sounds wrong. You wouldn't want to go around saying something like that. And so this was a way of, of trying to get the point across. So we're going to take it that way and, and go forward. So let's go on and then to verses 25 to 27. Of this church, which he had referred to, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, that is, the mystery which had been hidden from the past ages and generations but has now been manifested to his saints 
to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So in this section, uh, Paul, if we break it down, is, um, you know, saying he was a, made a minister of the church according to the stewardship from God. A stewardship is when you are entrusted with something um, and you have to keep it safe. Um, and, you know, that sort of an idea, it's a little more than just being put in a position. If you view it as a stewardship from God, um, you take it much more seriously. And that's the way that Paul viewed his ministry was that God had given him this stewardship, something to take care of and to return it to God in a, a, the same fashion or a better fashion than it was given to him, you know, with improvements, I guess you might say. And we can look, we could look back at the parables of Jesus and get the idea of the, the stewardship that Jesus gave the talents, you know, and expected more in return, you know, I mean, not Jesus, but, you know, the man in the parable that Jesus gave. So it brings that to mind. And so um, then he describes what the stewardship is, uh, that he may fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, which is the mystery that has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints. So that's his purpose, um, is to carry forward the gospel that has now been revealed through Jesus. It was anticipated, the Messiah was anticipated for so many years, hundreds of years, and yet now the Messiah has come and has been revealed or manifested um, so that people can see the gospel in human form, which was Jesus. And so this is Paul's purpose, is to preach the word about that revelation of Jesus and what it means for salvation. Um, and then he, it, he goes on in verse 27 to say, God willed to make known what is the riches of this mystery, of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And Paul has taken sort of his focus toward the Gentiles, where the focus of the disciples, the original 12, or the original 11, and the one that was added, may have been focused toward um, the Jewish people knowing the Messiah and turning to him. But then Paul's focus carried further to the Gentiles, and that has kind of become his focus in his life. Um, and then he mentions what is this mystery that has is being revealed, you know, to the Gentiles. The mystery being Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, of course, that is not mysterious, you know, in the sense that we can't understand it. 
I mean, we can't understand it, I guess. You know, how does Jesus come to live in our hearts? How does the Spirit come to dwell within us? I mean, that is a mystery, but it is something that is well known now, you know. But at this time then, maybe maybe if we looked up the interpretation of that word mystery, we might get a different meaning. Um, but this, this that has been revealed is Christ in you, the hope of glory, which is our hope as Christians that we hope in Christ. Because we know that on our own merit, there's no way we could go to heaven. And so when we trust Jesus, we're trusting him that he's going to get us there, that he's going to make things right, as we said before. And so Paul is, you know, describing that and helping them to understand that this is the hope that um, we have in Jesus, is the hope of glory, the hope of um, our future life with with God because of Jesus. Okay, let's go on to verses 28 and 29. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. So, here is the, the method, I guess you might say, that Paul uses to teach and to uh, share that hope of glory with others. He says, we proclaim him, that would be the preaching, admonishing every man and teaching every man. So, you know, admonishing, I think of that more in the sense of um, helping people to see that, hey, you need this. This is not something to be ignored. You know, it's almost compelling a person um, to listen and to understand the gospel. And so that's one part of the, the preaching. It goes into the preaching is, you know, is to admonish or to let people know that this is serious you should take this serious this is for you you should understand that it's for you and you should um you should not reject it and then secondly teaching every man and that's what paul is doing with this letter is to teach these new believers about the um the teachings of the church what we believe and what they should also believe, you know, as um, as members of the body of believers. Um, just to be a member of the body is great, but what do we believe, you know, and we should all know that. We don't often have doctrinal studies, though we do, you know, we get something in the sermons on Sunday about doctrine and what we should believe. But, of course, if a person is not regular attender of church and doesn't hear that every Sunday, then they must study on their own.
to understand what our doctrines are and what we believe based on the Bible. And so we have to think about, we have to put ourselves as teachers or as the pastor or as ministers in that person's shoes and think, you know, if they only come to church once a month for a year, what is the body of learning or understanding that they have gotten in that amount of time? And that's why there is a need for doctrinal study um, and this discipleship to happen through Sunday school and other ways for people so that they, they do, um, as he goes on from there, to say, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Another interpretation of that word complete is um, perfect. And of course, you know, we've talked about before, it's not that he thought if we study enough, we'll be perfect because we won't be, will we? But perfected in the sense of knowing and doing the things that um, make a Christian, you know, a Christian, know, knowing the, the teachings, following the teachings, and applying those to our lives and all of those things. And then Paul's at the end of that in verse 29 says, For this purpose I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. So he gives um, he gives glory to God or he attributes to God the power that he has to do his ministry. Okay, now we're going on then to, ver to um, a little bit in chapter 2. So verse 1 says, and of course, you know, when this letter was written, that it wasn't divided into chapters like we have it or verses as well. You know, it was just a letter. So uh, in chapter 2, verse 1 then, Paul says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea, for all those who have not personally seen my face. So this is another confirmation of the fact that Paul had not met these people yet. Um, they had accepted Christ, as we learned last week, through the teaching or preaching of someone called Epaphras. And so Paul's saying, you know, even though I've not met you, I want you to understand that I'm struggling on your behalf um, and uh, also for those at Laodicea for all who have not personally seen my face. So there there were others. It wasn't just these, not limited to these, but others who had accepted the gospel. And Paul was trying his best to struggle and pray for them and send them messages like this letter and to see that they became strong in the Lord um, as quickly as possible. And so... Um, He's just sharing that with them. And then in verses 2 and 3, that, uh, or for the purpose of, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So um, his purpose in strengthening 
the body of believers, you know, that their hearts may be encouraged by hearing his words, that they may be knit together in love um, and attaining to the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding. So um, being sure that they have the wealth of knowledge, you might say, of understanding who Jesus is and um, how he relates to them, how in their lives Jesus can guide them and um, help them to be strong Christians. So all of those things are a part of the mystery of God which is wrapped up in Jesus Christ himself. Now let's see. And that's where our lesson ends for today. So it kind of ends in the middle of a thought, you might say. But we're going to begin next week in verse 4 and go on to verse 15. So if you want to um, read ahead from 4 to 15, you'll be ready for next week. You know, it's, um, it's important, I think, as we study through this letter to put ourselves in the position of being those Colossians who had accepted the gospel from Epaphras and then what, you know, and to understand how this letter might have been received as Paul was teaching them and revealing to them things about his ministry, but also about God and about Jesus and how what that meant for them. And so this was very important for them to receive this letter, and it's important for us to understand what Paul is talking about here, not just to gloss these things over, um, so that we can teach it to others as well. You know, as we go forward, we're to do these same things. We are to um, do the things that, that Paul mentioned here, proclaiming Jesus, admonishing others, and teaching every man. And all of us should be involved in doing that uh, in sharing the gospel forward. The gospel doesn't stop with us, as I think I've said that before. It doesn't stop with us. We received it, and then what? You know, where did it go from there? Did we share it with another person? Or did it just stop? Did we just hold it, and, and it stopped? And that's something for us to think about this week. Thank you for being with me. I look forward to seeing some of you on Sunday. Thank you for studying together.